I'm just gonna start recording, cause it's fun. I did a thing! We're gonna be better people by the end of this. The thing that I did! Sarah! I did a thing! Talk about it! Welcome to I Did a Thing, a podcast about unremarkable people doing remarkable things. I'm Sarah. And I'm Birdie. And this week we're going to be talking to our guest, Drew, about being an athlete while dealing with Lyme disease. That's intense, man. That's our second person with Lyme disease. Yeah, I feel like it's a little more common than people maybe realize. Yeah. Um... I, I don't even know if I would know what to look for or what my symptoms would be if I were sick and, like, that was the reason. But – because it's so, it's so prevalent, but it's still really unknown. Right. Yeah, and my impression is that the symptoms can be similar to a lot of other things. Um, so lots of times it's – it takes some time for the doctors to figure out that that's what's going on. Yeah, it sounds um, like an episode of House. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to find out more from him about how how he the process for him of getting diagnosed with Lyme disease. Yeah, I mean, went. I'm definitely interested to hear about that. That's gonna be yeah. Good. Well, the other thing that I was gonna ask you because when I was I was writing this little description this week, I for half a second I was like, I don't know if Drew would consider himself an athlete. Hell yeah. But he definitely is, but so I was going to ask you, do you consider yourself an athlete? Hell yeah, I do. That took a long I, time to get there, though. Yeah, like, when I stop and think about it, uh, with regards to myself, like, yes, I I would say that I, I am an athlete, but um, for some reason it's kind of hard, at least for me, to say that about myself. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Um... I guess just because my my mental image of what an athlete is doesn't necessarily match up with my uh, I don't know what the word I want to use is my my I guess my my self image like I guess I enjoy doing a lot of athletic things but I'm not like like when it comes to running like I'm not, we kind of mentioned this I think last week like I'm never going to you know, win a race or anything like that. And so I guess that kind of keeps me from thinking of myself as, as an athlete as much, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So do you think that in your head, the definition of an athlete is winning? Well, I guess, yeah, I guess that is part of it is that like my goal is never to, like you said, win Um I, and the things that I do, like, I don't, I definitely don't, I'm not competitive in any of the things that I do. Well, the things uh, you do also, like, there's so many participants in a race that to win that race is, that that's a lot to ask versus, like, a game where two teams play each other. One, right. you have a 50-50 shot of potentially winning that game versus a race where you're one of what several thousand people so yeah well yeah depending on the race usually at least a couple hundred sorry i don't race. i don't race clearly <laughs> <laughs> but still still those odds are even if you are really really good at it those odds are still pretty vast right i mean they're right yeah 
So to, yeah. to define yourself as winning something when that is your sport seems lofty. <laughs> Unrealistic. Yeah. Well, and also just, I, I also know how fast I would need to be in order to be in that position of even being at the front of the pack and Mm -hmm. that's not a realistic pace for me um it would be you know probably twice as fast as I currently run right so (laughs) um but that's definitely not just I mean like when I like I said when I stop and think about it like I I am totally an athlete Mm -hmm. um and you know there's there's lots of really awesome things about being at the the back of the pack as as runner some runners say um it's it's a, definitely a super supportive uh place to be in a race that's uh, really cool yeah like i mean i've always been at the back of the pack so i can't from personal experience talk about what it's like at the the front but um i feel like people who are in the slower uh pace groups uh tend to be just like super happy just to be doing it and impressed with themselves that they're just that they're doing it and mm-hmm. willing to encourage everybody like come on we can do this together <laughs> so that's one of the that's actually one of the things i love most about running is is that is the spirit it races yeah it's not necessarily a community but it is in that moment it's a support yeah, community yeah yeah definitely interesting yeah i think uh for me some of the took me a long time to get to feeling like an athlete because I wasn't in shape and I wasn't very good and I'm still not great, but, um, and my body image didn't match what my, what I saw an athlete looking like. Right. Yeah. Even in a sport where it's, there are very many different types of bodies that can play roller derby. Um, it still wasn't what I saw myself as now, now that I've been doing it for longer and I, I think for me the what brought me there was training outside of practice mm-hmm. and focusing on like actually applying myself to the sport of whatever your sport is so like watching footage and talking about it and developing strategy. And I think it was when I became a captain actually that I started seeing myself as an athlete and not as a hobbyist. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say too when I thought about it that I I think the more that we can encourage ourselves to think of ourselves as athletes, um, that's probably better. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of, I feel like that's like a very encouraging mindset in terms of taking care of your body. Like yes. if you're an athlete, then you're somebody who uh, takes time and concern about you know, the the things that you're eating and putting in your body, you know, and makes working out at least a priority on the priority list and, and those things. So absolutely, I think the more we can encourage ourselves to think of ourselves as athletes, the better and the healthier we will be. Yeah, because you keep asking, like I was keep asking myself, is the thing I'm doing, is this going to help me be better at the thing I want to get better at. So is this right. food, yeah, food yeah, that yeah. I'm eating contributing positively to this goal that I have or is this exercise that I, or I'm not doing is more often the case. And <laughs> sitting on the couch doing this, nothing uh, uh, contributing positively to this goal. Yeah. That's well, cool. 
should we get into the things that we did this week? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do the things. The athletic things that we <laughs> as athletes did. Sure. This week. The thing I did. The thing I did. Do some things. <laughs> I would like to give a little shout out and a well wishes to Sarah Heeson, who was on our podcast um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, she was getting ready to participate in the w- Team Wisco. Wisco Warriors is her team name for the Team American Ninja Warrior coming up. And she had an accident cool. and cracked her sternum, like broke it. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, like bad news bears. Oh, so she uh, is going to be okay. So... It's on, it's on her Facebook, so I feel like it's okay to say, but um, she is out for the for the taping and the, the competition. So, oh, yeah. that's such a bummer. Uh, her What you had said just now made me think of it because she was saying that she was eating very cleanly to, in preparation for the, mm-hmm. for the competition, and then as soon as she got injured, she bought, like, all kinds of junk food, <laughs> a bunch <laughs> of crap to put in her body, so... Uh, that was the one upside to getting hurt. Well, they call it comfort food for a reason, right. but I, I guess as long as you can let the comfort be a short-term comfort and not turn into a lifestyle. Yes. If anybody's going to do that, I think Sarah is the person. Yeah, I hope <laughs> she's pretty intense. Is feeling better soon, and um, definitely I, I suspect she there'll be nothing stopping her from the following season. I agree. So that's a thing she did. Boo. <laughs> What's the thing you did, Sarah? Uh, well, so I think I mentioned last week that I yes. had a doctor's appointment coming up. So I went to the doctor, and um, the doctor did some blood tests, and okay. we discovered two things that were contributing to me not feeling my best. Um, the first was that my, I was correct. My thyroid levels were low. Not, not super low. Uh, but low low enough that some medication could help. And then the other thing uh, was that apparently my B12 was also very low. Um, so I, I started this last week um, taking thyroid medicine, and then my doctor also recommended that um, I come in for a series of shots over the next month of um, B12 shots. So I'm supposed to go get the first that, one what tomorrow. What does that mean? Do B12. Well, having a B12 deficiency is, um, I guess doctors call that anemia. Like okay. at least when I think of anemia, I think always like low iron. Yeah. But I guess B12 it, uh, being low can do the same thing. Like I guess it can affect the way that your body um, creates red blood cells. Okay. So. That's about the limit of my medical knowledge on that, but <laughs> it can make uh, similar symptoms as what I was describing with the um, thyroid, low thyroid too, like tired, being tired, and conf- uh, forgetfulness and confusion, um, and also uh, tingling in your hands and feet. Okay. Um, and so, have you been experiencing those symptoms? Yeah, yeah, that's part that's of right. the reason why I went to the doctor in the first Tingling. place. So, yeah, well, and, and also being, like, the biggest thing actually was um, being um, confused and, like, 
um, sometimes just feeling like I, I would feel sometimes like I was trying to think about something and it was like the gears in my brain were completely stopped. Like <laughs> I would, I would want to like say something and I just, it was like my brain would not start. <laughs> Maybe I have this yeah. problem. <laughs> well, the other thing, cause then I, once I found that out, i did a little Googling, of course, whenever we course. find out that there might be something wrong with this, we turn to Google. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I discovered that um, it's a relatively common thing, um, and especially, I guess, if your BMI is over 30 mm. um, and you're female, um, then uh, there's a greater likelihood that you may have a B12 deficiency. Huh. So... Yeah, definitely if you're feeling tired and, and having any of those symptoms that I mentioned, you may want to ask your doctor um, to test your B12 levels. Like, it was a separate test that she had to order from, like, the regular, like, if you had an annual exam, your doctor draws your blood and checks your cholesterol and all that stuff. It's not included in, in those results. Um, so your doctor might have to make an extra request so that means um, you but, have to make an extra request sometimes right but but yeah like they just they drew like three vials of blood and did all of these tests so it's it's a really relatively simple thing you don't have to fast for it or any of those things that oh. can make blood tests suck um a pain in the butt but yeah so so yeah I, i'm hoping that that will also help me feel a little better and more energetic um, I, the, I'm not totally sure why my B12 12 levels were low though, because the, I, the, all the other thing that I of course looked up right away was, well, what food should I be right. eating? What causes this? To, How do you fix it? Right. Um, and some of the, the best foods, uh, for B12 are eggs, mm-hmm. um, and then, okay. uh, fish and meat. That's the other thing. If you're a vegan, um, mm. That makes it Difficult. much more likely uh, for you to have a B12 deficiency. I, when even when I was a vegetarian, I always ate eggs and dairy. Right. Um, but so if you if you don't if you're not eating meat or any dairy products, um, mm-hmm. that can definitely put you at risk. But so I'm not sure why my B12 levels were low because I like for a couple of weeks right before I had the test, I was eating like three eggs a day right. for he breakfast so every day. Um, yeah, and that <laughs> that just there should be enough to get uh, your recommended allowance of, of B12. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, you're going to feel so much energy from your B12 injection. Because isn't that what like, yeah. celebrities do when they're hungover or something? They get infused Yeah, that's that. that's. Yeah, that's one of the things. Yeah, and I've definitely heard from people that, you know, getting a B12 shot makes can make you feel a lot more energetic. So, yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll be able to notice a difference. Um, and then the other thing, the non-medical thing yeah. <laughs> this week, um, is that ClassPass, which yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. about a little while Has ago. Um, sitting near it, you? It came to the city that I am currently hey, in. yeah. Um, so I signed up because I had put my name like on uh, a list to kind of be alerted uh, when they were here in Cincinnati. They sent me an email 
um, and offered me a 50% discount on the first month. So I signed up to have, uh, I could do five classes um, and it was 17 bucks. So um, that's pretty, pretty good price. That's a great deal. Um, So I am going to do my first class pass uh, class uh, this week. Um, I'm going to go to a Pilates studio that has the whole reformer machine and everything. I've done a little bit of Pilates before, but I've never had a chance to, to use the actual reformer and the like actual Pilates equipment. So I'm excited to give that a try. Mm. And obviously I'll, I'll report back next week. Yeah. I have a feeling I'm also going to be really sore, (laughs) but (laughs) true. Wow. That what about great. you, Birdie? Well, I don't have anything quite that exciting this week. Last week was my big, like, to-do. But um, on Saturday, my friends, my friend belongs to her, like, neighborhood community organization thing that I probably will never join in my community. But every year they have a haunted trail, and so they needed people to help, like, be scary people on that trail. So I spent mm-hmm. three hours outside on Saturday night scaring children uh, and drinking <laughs> beer in the park. And it was great <laughs> with my okay. friends. So that's that was the um, mental health day thing I did because it was, okay. it was fun. It was weird. I got to drink some beers and it was over very quickly. So it was really nice. It was fun. That reminds me when I was a kid, uh, one of the first houses we lived in when I was a kid, um, right next door, um, the boy, there was a meeting hall where the Boy Scouts would put on a haunted house every year. And so I could hear from my bedroom, like the sounds of the haunted house. And I, I was always, (laughs) as a kid, like when it came to scary things, like I always would want to do it right up until like it got to the point of like getting on the ride or actually going through the door of the haunted house. And then I would check it out and, and insist that my parents take me home or whatever. (laughs) So my, my, my parents would never let me like, there was came a point where I wasn't even allowed to ask to go to the haunted house. (laughs) Because you always failed. (laughs) Yeah. Like uh, it was also a thing for a long time. I was not allowed to even ask to go on roller coasters because I had bailed on so many, like we'd stood in lines for, you know, a significant period of time. And then I'd be like, no, never mind. Oh, wow. <laughs> and there was even one time uh, when I was a kid that I could remember that um, there's a amusement park in Oregon that's called um, Enchanted Forest. And it's kind of fairy tale theme. And there was uh, not even a haunted house, but like a, a dark thing that you could walk through that was like um, Snow White's. Uh, story oh, um but of course there's like the the wicked queen turns into a witch in it and it's dark um and the there was one time one of the last straws was one time i insisted i'm going through this thing and i got so scared that i couldn't even like continue to walk and my dad had oh. to pick me up and carry me out oh sarah <laughs> so I'm, I'm much I'm much braver now, but yeah, there there was probably a good like I don't know eight year period to participate in such things. 
Yeah, I've never been a scary person or scary mm-hmm. event person. I don't like scary movies. I don't like going to haunted houses. It's just not not what I'm interested in doing. But it was fun to be the person yeah. scaring folks. I mostly just well, I painted my face to look like I was dead. I was a, a Civil War mm-hmm. ghost, so I had on like a, a green wool coat and a and a jaunty cap and. Um, painted my face like I was a skeleton, kind of. And so I most, mostly just followed people around and was pretty creepy. Fun. But it was, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scary. <laughs> Should we go ahead and give Drew a call? Yeah. Let's call him up. So an introduction, um, I guess uh, I'm 33, I live in uh, the suburbs of D.C., and um, hmm. I'm, I'm married, uh, my wife and I are about to celebrate six years together, um, so that's totally awesome, and uh, I do HR at a private school, and um, I guess what drew me to the podcast and wanting to be on it is that I think I've had like a wealth of experience in terms of trying new things and kind of making radical changes in your life. And um, there's also been a lot of a lot of stuff that I've had to endure in the last few years. Um, I guess like I, uh, sometime around fall of 2015, uh, got Lyme disease and struggled with that oh. for about a year. And uh, I'm feeling better now, uh, but I didn't know it was wrong for about nine months. So in that time, I was just in chronic pain and not understanding why and uh yeah yeah, finally they diagnosed it and gave me uh antibiotics and it's just been progressively better can you um i think you're probably maybe the second person we've had on who Mm -hmm. has had lyme and i don't know that we've ever really talked about like what that means if you're not familiar or um, how it manifests or how you get diagnosed or yeah, so kind of anything I think, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, so yeah. I guess it's primarily on the East Coast going, you know, from like Tennessee, wherever, all the way up to uh, like uh, Canada. Uh, but primarily mm-hmm. the, in East Coast thing, they only discovered it, to my knowledge, in like the mid-80s. Uh, mm-hmm. My mom actually got uh, diagnosed with Lyme back when I was a little guy. And wow. um, so she you know, dealt with it. She, uh, rides horses. So she's out in the woods all the time. And, uh, I guess she got bit, she got better, but I was, uh, you know, the disease itself, you get bitten by a tick and if it stays on for long enough, uh, I guess puts these spirochetes in your body and they Mm. drill down into your muscles and cause, uh, progressive deterioration of the muscles. Sometimes they can affect neural pathways. So the way that the disease uh, manifests a lot of times in people is in mood affective disorders and chronic pain a lot of people uh, think it's basically fibromyalgia Um, they're they're knocked out they can't you know they can't do much physically Um, but I've been really driven in the last couple of years to you know run and exercise and do a lot of other things so I kind of plowed through it 
Uh, so I'm like uh, <laughs> in chronic yeah. pain, not yeah. understanding why. And I'm like, damn it, I'm running today. Like, I don't care how bad I feel. <laughs> this is the only thing that makes me feel better. So, um, but the disease itself is kind of nebulous in how it, in how it manifests in people. But I guess, uh, the important thing is to, you know, just get the treatment at whatever stage you can, but research is still not all there uh they have to do a lot more lab studies and things like that and there's a lot of Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh alternative medicine aimed towards changing your diet and trying all these different new age things to kind of treat it holistically rather than through modern medicine because all they can really do is give you antibiotics wow it sounds like it would be really difficult to figure out what's going on so it's in your body for a long period of time yeah, they, they diagnose it. Absolutely. So my symptoms were around for about, like I said, nine months, and I was just feeling this chronic Damn. pain. Like I guess the best way to describe it is like broken glass in your muscles. Oh Jesus! <laughs> it wasn't pleasant. <laughs> and, that sounds uh, awful. I was simultaneously training for my first marathon. I was going to run the Disney marathon with a couple mm-hmm. of buddies. And I was just feeling worse and worse and worse and to the point where I didn't think I'd be able to run at all. And uh, finally, we got to it. Uh, we, you know, plowed through it. I felt great, you know, very accomplished. And then the months went on and I was just getting worse and worse. And, you know, I cross-trained. I discovered biking uh, as a result of that. And I did more, you know, uh, weightlifting and just whatever I could do to be outside. Sometimes I would just walk for hours if the pain was too much and I couldn't do any rigorous exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess all of this is kind of funny because I'd never ran a mile in my life until about 2011. Wow. Um, so I, I, I tend to think that if I didn't have that motivation and that desire to go outside and to do things and to push myself... I don't, I, I think I probably would have kind of imploded uh, in a lot of ways and just kind of fallen apart, but instead I, you know, just wanted to keep going. Yeah, I can see how probably staying active, even though you were in chronic pain, probably helped your mood a lot. I mean, it's easy when when you're in pain to have that turn into depression especially when it's pain that you don't you don't know what the source is or you don't feel like the you know it's one thing when you're not feeling good but you can tell yourself well it's a cold in a week or two I'll be better this isn't gonna be forever right uh but when you don't know why you're feeling bad and so you can't even tell yourself that it's ever gonna improve (laughs) no absolutely and it and and it, it you know it takes a lot uh to just get up and tell yourself like I can't lay down. I can't let this consume me. And whatever right. it is, we'll figure it out. I can't tell you how many specialists I went to until they finally redid some blood work and figured it out. And wow. I just got so excited when they figured it out. I was like, finally, like, we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to treat it. We're going to have a di- diagnosis is huge. Yeah. Oh, man, it's amazing. And then after that, it's just, you know, taking it a day at a time. God, I can't even imagine having that plus. Like, I have depression, so, like, mentally being able to to cope with that and be able to get out of bed, even though, like, physically you feel like crap and then mentally you feel like crap. And so to – that combination sounds like I would be in, 
in my bed for a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's a confluence of things. And don't get me wrong, there were absolutely those days where I was like, I'm not doing anything. Like, uh, yeah. I'm not going out, I'm yeah. staying in bed. And There's um, only so much self-pep talk I can do. <laughs> oh, absolutely, most definitely. Wow. Um, my, my dad actually um, got injured running. He was a runner for a long time and then has started biking as a result. Oh, great. And so has... I think he's put like 700 miles on his bike this summer. It's his wow. first summer biking. Yeah. And uh, he's a bit of a, he fixates on things like that. So uh-huh. like he was running a lot and so now he can't run. So he's been biking. It just reminds me of kind of your path as well. Going yeah. Biking that. has been so rewarding too. I mean, it, it was something that I did not consider at all for some reason. I just really took to running and I went out and bought myself a bike and just started taking it everywhere. And uh, yesterday I did my first 75-mile ride, which I was really happy with. I trained for a long Woo-hoo. time. Yeah. So that was really exciting. It rained the entire time. Oh, no. <laughs> so and I got, this was, was great. Awful. I got back to the uh, farm. It was a, it was a uh, agricultural reserve ride, so they were trying Ooh. to increase awareness of preserving kind of the pastoral aspects of Maryland's countryside. Mm -hmm. And I got to the finish line and they were having a nice little farm picnic and they said, oh, great, you know, what distance did you do? And I told them and they said, yeah, I think you're the only one who did that. No, Everyone else bailed out. (laughs) (laughs) So I felt really bummed out, but (laughs) I mean, I was proud, of course, but at the same time, I was like, really, everybody else got scared off by the rain, uh, you know, and I don't blame them. I mean, I took a pretty uh, rough spill about 15 miles in and almost called my wife and said, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is the, definitely one of the things about cycling is that you have to be extra, extra careful when the roads are wet. Oh, and just in general. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's pretty terrifying, especially around here. Um, there's not a lot of cognizance of bike laws and drivers mm-hmm. don't really care they'll you know they're pretty aggressive in this yeah. area and uh it's a little bit better in like frederick or dc but around here uh i have to be very very careful about where i go and how i train um, i work at a college campus and we're pretty minneapolis is very bike friendly but mm-hmm. lots of students like run around on their bikes without helmets or mm. flashies or anything and i'm like you are going to get schmucked by a car or bite it on the dirt or something. Yeah, it's terrifying. you got to protect yourself. You know, I and I really, I, I my wife and I went to uh, Vancouver this summer, and oh, they have, a bike spot. oh my goodness, they, you can take the uh, bike lane around the entire city mm-hmm. and see the whole thing just on a bike and go for hours yeah. and hours and hours until... You know, Kate broke down and started crying. Uh, she oh, was no. just super done with biking for the day, so I had to take her back. We, we had to go about three miles back uphill, and finally oh, no. I took her to a, a place to get pho. Like, they have amazing yeah. Asian food there, and yeah. we sat down and got her a bowl of pho, and she was like, okay, okay, I'm all right. <laughs> but I, I love the idea. Help. Yeah, I love the idea of cities just making that a part of their city here's part of the infrastructure you should come visit here sometime it's great i would love to actually i've got a cousin out in that direction 
one of the 35 uh, <laughs> loops out there, so it's time to go visit. Yeah, I was just going to say before um, that not too long ago here in Cincinnati, they passed a law that you have to leave, I believe it's three feet between, if you're driving um, between you and, and a cyclist. But Wait, that just I, passed? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but I think generally if you are driving and there's a cyclist on the road, the, the best rule of thumb is to treat them, even though they are a bicycle, as if there's another car in, in the lane and drive around them as if you were passing another car instead of a person. Interesting. <laughs> right. And for me, that's frustrating. People get queued up behind me and I'm trying to wave to them like, go, go, go. Like, you don't yeah. need to go into the next lane. Just get around me. I'm <laughs> right. Yeah, I... I actually, I lived in L.A. for a few years, and uh, for a while, I, I rode my bike in L.A., which, let me tell you, is, <laughs> is probably one of the world's least bike-friendly oh, cities. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I used to hate that because people would have no idea what to do when they saw me biking, um, and people would get, like, right be like, you know, two or three feet behind my back tire and just drive the same pace as me oh. <laughs> and i would be like please pass me because you know when, when a car is right there like if i had fallen like they're just gonna run me over <laughs> oh. yeah and it's such a traffic heavy city and you would think that they would kind of get it with you know motorcycles being able to do lane splitting and stuff like that right just make it work but no not a not an ideal place to go out Damn. What made you decide to do a 75-mile bike ride? So I did that ride last year and really enjoyed it. Some coworkers uh, told me about it, and it's a cause that I really care about. You know, I grew up Mm -hmm. uh, on a farm. Uh, Both of my parents were farmers, so, you know, I really like that idea of preserving, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the agricultural parts of the county. But at the same time... It was just kind of this challenge, and I really wanted to see uh, what I could do. And uh, it's hard to say what exactly motivated me besides <laughs> just kind of being like, okay, well, I ride bicycles, so why don't I do, you know, this ride? And, um, right. you know, I found it really rewarding, and you kind of just have hours to think to yourself. You know, Bertie, I think you're a marathon runner, right? Nope, that's Sarah. Oh, Sarah. That's me. I don't yeah. ride a bike. <laughs> yeah. So, but you kind of know what I'm talking about, where you have hours and hours at a time to just kind of mull things over. That sounds terrible. Yeah. And um, there's there's a lot of time to self-reflect and to contemplate things, especially when you're on a rainy country road, mm-hmm. you know, for miles and miles. You're thinking How long does that 75 miles take you? How many hours did you spend out there? I, th- I think that took me about six, six and a half hours with a couple of rest stops. Um, yeah. They had places where you could stop and get a bite to eat or, you know, they patched me up after my fall. So that was kind of mm-hmm. cool that they had first yeah. aid there. And, uh, you know, they have things to see and do along the way. They integrated a couple of farmers markets into it, which was nice. You could stop oh, and buy cool. Cool. Yeah, you could buy produce and they'd send it to the finish line for you. Oh wow. So, that's brilliant. That's really cool. <laughs> right? So I, I was disappointed. I was looking for scrapple, which is mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No one has You can talk about it. I've never had it. It's uh Tell us what it is. Okay, so Scrapple is basically the odds and ends of a pig 
that they mix with cornmeal and mash into a cube and you slice it and fry it. And mm, it delicious. sounds oh my goodness, it's amazing. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, we I, I went to Scotland uh, twice now with you know Kate and uh, this last summer with uh, with a cousin and his wife and it's basically the same thing as haggis. Mm-hmm. So I was flipping out over haggis, just absolutely loved it. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I know what this is. It's animal parts. <laughs> Easy. Amazing. Sorry, not, that was not a to real be found, tangent. though. That's all right. <laughs> no, we talk about food we love. That's, food we that's love. definitely it for me. That's, that's one of my loves. What's your next yeah. big event? So right now, uh, I'm training for the Baltimore Marathon. That's in, uh, that's not this coming weekend, but the weekend after. So two weeks from now. Oh, wow. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. I just love that city. And um, I've, I've done the half there, and it was just terrific. There's a ton of support. Uh, Baltimore has a reputation, but I don't think it's earned at all. I mean, there are just some really wonderful parts of that city. Mm-hmm. And... I love the community there. Uh, so I'm pretty excited for that. Um, after that, uh, oh, uh, I'm making <laughs> uh, for our sixth or our fifth wedding anniversary, my wife and I are running the Wine and Dine Half Marathon at Disney in November. Oh, fun. So we're, we're total geeks. And uh, <laughs> I said, you know, let's go down. They have the Food and Wine Festival, and now they have a half marathon to go with it. Uh, so we're going to dress up like <laughs> goofballs and uh, <laughs> run and then eat and drink afterwards. It'll be great. That Fun. lovely. Fun. Yeah. It's good that you have the same interest. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny. I mean, I've kind of shoehorned my geekiness into what I do um, in terms of physical activity. That's, that's really um, important to me. You know, even if it's just wearing something silly while I'm running or biking or something like that, um, or like listening to, you know, the Adventure Zone or, you know, mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, you know, something. I, I like to kind of bring my interests into what I do outside. Right, yeah. Yeah, love that. How do you, because um, obviously you were training to do the 75 mile bike ride and uh, your upcoming marathon at the same time and like how do you balance those two <laughs> yeah. uh not easily not very well and, <laughs> and no. have a life otherwise i mean i you know weekdays are fine i you know only do about an hour you know after work and then come mm-hmm. home and then cook you know clean whatever i need to do um but on the weekends basically saturday morning was a you know pretty much a run between 13 and 20 miles Mm-hmm. And then Sunday was a bike ride between 35 and 65 miles. Um, so basically by Monday morning, I would drag myself into work, collapse, <laughs> into my, collapse into my desk, and regret ever wanting to do either thing. <laughs> Damn. That's awesome, though. Wow. <laughs> it, it keeps you busy, that's for sure. Right, yeah, definitely. Um. Do you, are you doing most of your training on your own or do you belong to any groups that you train with or is it you and your wife or? Uh, yeah, good question. I mean, um, most of my running training I do myself and I've 
been doing it all wrong and I continue to do it all wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> they have marathon guides. I totally ignore them. Um, and it's definitely come at a cost, uh, you know, injury and things like that. I'm just too hard-headed to get it right. But so experts are experts for a reason. Exactly. Hal okay. Higdon knows what he's talking about. Like, <laughs> I don't know better than him. I'm just too hard-headed. But uh, <laughs> the, I, I am part of a local running club called, uh, uh, oh, what is it called? Um, Montgomery County Roadrunners. Um, oh, so they're a terrific group. They meet up on weeknights and on weekends. They sponsor events. Um, I love their low-key races that they do. So they have like a really low-profile half marathon. Um, you know, just fun events where you meet local people. And then uh, I'm also part of the Potomac Peddlers Club, uh, which meets pretty much every night of the week all over the state. Um, and they sponsor rides everywhere. So you just meet up with people and it's a great opportunity to meet people, learn things. You know, there's, there's a whole culture to running and there's a culture to biking. So you have to kind of mm -hmm. learn the diction and, you know, how, how these things work. Like, you know, you're in a pack of bicyclists and, you know, you got to shout, you know, car back if there's a car behind you and let everyone know and you have to like signal certain ways it's just really it's interesting you learn yeah. you learn the culture of what you're doing culturally like with the people is there is there a significant difference between bikers and runners none that i'm willing to say on record uh, <laughs> i was just gonna ask you about like code switching between those two groups on one yeah weekend. no it's interesting i mean it, it i think both groups people definitely have um, you know, they have their, their certain phrases that they use, but I guess culturally, I don't know. I, I think the biker community kind of skews a little older. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I think maybe because it's, uh, you know, less impact, uh, outdoor activity, but, um, I guess the main cultural differences I, that's a really good question. Now you've got me thinking about it. <laughs> I'm well, like... I, 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 the other thing that I think Drew isn't mentioning is that I think there's a little bit of uh, amnity between the biker community and the, the running community Most sometimes. Definitely. You know, I think the best way to put it, <laughs> I, I think you're totally right. I think the best way to put it, though, is that running is kind of this lone wolf thing. So people develop their egos or whatever based on their capabilities and they, they kind of, I don't know, there can be someone up and shit, but there's just kind of like a, there's also that shared camaraderie of like, hey, like, let me, oh, my shin splints were so bad, like that sort of thing. <laughs> but it's all about that kind of personal journey, whereas biking, it's much more of a, people like to go out in groups more regularly right. and it becomes kind of a... a you know, uh, like a communal thing for them. So like parallel play versus group play. Exactly. If you're talking about children. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think when it comes to <laughs> what comes up a lot of times is that lots of times runners and cyclists are having to share the same space. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely a hierarchy. They, well, yeah. I mean, runners, Run, well, they each feel like 
the other one is taking up too much space of the shared space. I think is kind of what happens a lot of times. And you know, yeah. it's oh, it's hilarious because I find myself whatever activity I'm doing, you know, I'm jumping back and forth. Whatever oh, activity absolutely. I'm doing, I suddenly hate runners when I'm on a bike. <laughs> it's like being a pedestrian versus driving. You're like, right? Yeah, totally. the opposite. Um, we have a lot of paths here, like um, trails and and um, greenways and things. And so there's definitely like there's the walkers and then the runners and then the skaters and then the bicyclists and they all hate each other. But <laughs> at one point or the other, we're in that other group of people. But Right. There's definitely that hierarchy of, God, they're so slow, or they're whizzing past me. I don't like it. <laughs> cool. What else you got, Sarah? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I know there was something else I was gonna say, but I don't remember what it was. Now. <laughs> Do you? Is there anything else you wanted to mention? You haven't gotten a chance to say to? Well, I guess. Um, I think what uh, you know. I'm coming from a, a place where, you know, I didn't really care at all about exercise. I was a super indoorsy kid growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had to play outside through necessity. You know, mm-hmm. I was out in, on like acres of farmland. So it was like, yeah, if you don't go outside and play in a creek, you're not, you're just not going to do anything. But then, you know, once we got a Nintendo, it was game over for me. Right. You know, it was like. <laughs> life force and contra all day and um it took me years and years to finally get to uh having any interest in going outside and uh my gateway was this zombie 5k where they ah. basically oh it was so much fun um i was and, a zombie once in the zombie 5k here how did you do um well i i got people like i was one of the zombies so yeah. i would like catch their flags Mm-hmm. Um, but my friends and I dressed up in my old wedding dress and as a groom and a, a bridesmaid. So it was fun to do together. Um, but then phenomenal. we did it ourselves. So that was fun. Um, oh, that's terrific. And so we, did, did you get roughed up at all? No, not too bad. I mean, like we got made up, but it was it was really fun. I like those obstacle runs because it doesn't feel like running anymore. <laughs> no, you're totally distracted and just having fun and thinking about the next obstacle. And right. really, I, I would never have done a 5K otherwise. So it needed mm-hmm. this kind of, you know, I love zombies and horror. So that was my gateway. And I said, okay, well, I want to do better at that next year. So I started training, 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 because I wanted to be faster than all the zombies that, you know, pummeled <laughs> me during that race. And right. uh, That quote bit you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh I so far in like six years I haven't I haven't been, you know, consumed by zombies yet. I'm kinda of proud of that. <laughs> but That's I think amazing. a lot of times you have to kind of find what you love, uh, to incorporate it into, you know, your lifestyle. Amen. And um you know, I exercise doesn't seem like a likely place to do that. Um, but I think <clears throat> you know, Austin had a point with music and how that can draw you in and you can make it a part of it so it's no longer a physical exercise thing it's okay well i'm just listening to music right now and this is the activity i'm doing based around it right yeah yeah so yeah or, yeah you like you were mentioning before um like i listen to a ton of podcasts when i'm running um and yeah 
definitely I find that to be a distraction from from the the physical parts of running. Absolutely. I mean, you've got hours and hours to just, you know, think about nothing and you need that distraction. Um, right. We got a treadmill in the house and I've watched whole seasons and whole series uh, just from the treadmill. It's been wonderful. Nice. You know, so I get to I get to have that guilt-free Netflix binge. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good trick. It is. Oh, I guess I think the thing that I was going to say before was um, when you mentioned the smaller races, um, that I feel like that is a lots of times a good entry point uh, for people who are interested in getting into running a race, but maybe feel a little bit intimidated. At least in my experience, the um, smaller races that the clubs and, and things like that put on um, are super friendly and they're uh, usually on the smaller side so you don't you know you don't have the huge crowd like you might get at like a Disney race um, so I kind of depending on what your particular fear or intimidation with uh, doing a race um, sometimes those can be a, a good a good starting point I think you're absolutely right about that I mean the support that people give you it's so one-on-one uh, no one's there for their ego or anything like that. They're just out there to have a good time, and you're connecting with your community, which is right, so yeah, yeah. It's uplifting for a lot of people, and and honestly, for a lot of folks, they don't want to be in front of you know thousands of people running. They don't want anyone looking at them, you know, or it's just there's a self consciousness to it mm-hmm. where you know if you're at a local club race, it's just it waylays all of that. Right. Um, yeah. Now, there is something to be said for kind of the joy of those bigger races. Like, you know, Disney, I wasn't thinking about a thing. I was too entertained the whole time. Uh, you know, I'm getting, mm-hmm. like, pictures with Baloo and stuff like that, like, goofing around. Uh, so that's a nice distraction. Yeah, yeah. That, those I haven't ever gotten a chance to do any of the Disney races, but I've done several of the big rock and roll um, half marathons. How was that and, experience? Was that good? Yeah. Well, I think they're sim- probably similar, and it it definitely depends on what you're looking for in a race. It, but it's definitely more of a party atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the rock and roll races, they usually, the, every few miles, they have like an actual band performing, which is part of how that's they so get the cool. rock and roll name. Um, so, and, you know, if, if that's the, the kind of race experience you're looking for, um, especially if you're wanting to, you know, do, do with a group of friends and stop and take selfies and stuff like that, um, I think a rock and roll race or a Disney race is, is a, a good match for that kind of experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're generally like if you're if you're somebody who is really interested in trying to beat a time or, or something like that, um, those races probably Not aren't the you. best place to do it just because there's so many people and, and things just are going to get in your way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it may be frustrating for you. Or if you, I mean, if you don't, don't like to be in a big crowd, that that's not a race for you (laughs) because I mean, those, those are going to be huge, huge crowds. Um, so 
so again, it depends on what you're looking for. I, I mean, I've I've done both ends of the the spectrum. I did um, the um, Miami, and that that is a huge race. There's parts of that race at the towards the beginning where you literally can't run because there's so many people yeah. around you. Um, so and when I was doing it, there were several people around me that were super frustrated because they had a time goal, mm. and they're like, I, "I, I'm having to walk. Like, I'm not going to be able to make my, uh, my time goal." Um, but then you, you know, at the same time, you do have that community of you know everybody's there together, doing it together. Yeah. Um, right. So <laughs> it, it, yeah, you, you do have to kind of when you're choosing a race. That's one of the things to consider is what kind of experience you're looking for. Absolutely. How's the how's the terrain on that one or the heat? I mean, that seems like a and, brutal city for running. Uh, Miami. It's in. It's in January, if I remember correctly. It's there been a few go. years since I did that one. So, it, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was warm, but it wasn't super hot. And at the time, I was living in South Carolina, too, so it wasn't, like, an extreme <laughs> difference for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure it would be, if you're, if you're, if you live someplace where it snows, uh, and you're going down to Miami in January, it, it's going to be a little bit of a shock to your system. <laughs> for sure. Um, and then Miami is... Is pretty flat, uh, but uh, there's a few places on the course where it actually goes on the freeway and you run on um, the on ramps, um, so you get kind of a hill that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the only so, hill at the Disney Marathon. That the one hill that everyone was lamenting it. And it was great because right? they had a. Uh, the army men from Toy Story yelling at people. Oh, cool. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, That's amazing. Yeah, like, get up the hill, soldier. It was, you know, just little cute flourishes like that. But right. my one oh, running yeah. experience in Miami was disastrous. My cousin and I collapsed into the hotel pool afterwards and just, oh, wow. <laughs> like, never again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I... I was glad that I did Miami, but I I did also kind of feel like, well, I, that was a one and done yeah, situation. You, you did for it. Me. Congratulations, yeah. you did it. You don't need to do it again. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on our little podcast, Drew. Hey, I was yeah, happy was to. Thank to you so you. much, and uh, just keep up the great work. I've really been enjoying it, the podcast. Oh. oh, great! Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. Well, take care. I'll talk to you. All right. Thanks, Thanks Drew. Later. All right. Bye. 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 Uh, that was, I really enjoyed talking to Drew and, and hearing about his challenges. And he, like, he's so, so positive despite he's the. just the, a nice person. Yeah. And I also really appreciate talking to him right after he, the day after he did his amazing bike ride. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I trust somebody that nice and crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Drew. (laughs) I'm sure you're great. Well, once again, I'm inspired. After we talked also to Steph um, last week about doing uh, the the bike race here in Cincinnati, I feel like next summer I want to do some more more long rides like that. Mm. Yeah. Well, 
should speaking of goals, should we goals. should we get into the challenge zone? We're wrapping up our last challenge speaking and getting set to <laughs> to get into our new challenge. Yes. So here it is, the challenge zone. Challenge. So <laughs> is, is October over yet? <laughs> well, I'm so I, tired. I got so <laughs> overexcited. I to, I was thinking today was the 31st and um instead of the 30th, no. and so I did the 31 push-ups today. <laughs> Ooh, Sarah, overachiever. Uh, I did. Uh, I did my push-ups mm-hmm. yesterday. I did them today, but today was a lot harder. I did a bunch of ab work mm. with my. Um, the folks I train for roller derby. So my shoulders were hurting and my sides were hurting. And I was like, fuck this. I don't want to do it anymore. But I did it. Yeah, you don't think about how much. I mean, like when you think about push-ups, you think of it mainly being your your shoulders and your arms. But your your abs play Mm -hmm. a pretty decent role in it too. Yes. And to be honest, when I've done push-ups in the past, like done a mm-hmm. lot at once, my pecs have really hurt or my armpits mm-hmm. have really hurt a lot. But with this process, they're not. And I think it's because I'm doing them correctly and then building my way into not hurting right. those muscles. Yeah. They're just building up instead of burning out. Yeah, doing, true, doing those just a few at the beginning lets, it gives you an opportunity to think more about your form. Mm-hmm. Well, so so yeah. overall, I I feel like thumbs up to the push up challenge. Um, yeah, it totally works. I I did all of mine um, with the the method that I described before, using the chair to do angled push ups. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. about maybe trying to keep the streak alive mm-hmm. and start over with one in November, um, but to do actual regular push ups. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> I would start over with you. 30, 31 in a row is going to be tough, I think. I, I still have to do, like, 29 and then pause at the top. <laughs> and then psych myself up for those last couple ones. But I think I would do it again. All right. Do you want to do it again? In addition to our sure. other challenge? Are, are you going to... How are you going to it, modify your push-ups? Are you going to add something to it? Yeah. Let me think about it. I I think doing them better is probably a – it sounds like a cop-out, but it, I think just, like, <laughs> actually getting my chest lower and angling right. my arms more. Um, I could put my feet on something, but that just – I don't want to. <laughs> um, it sounds hard. Because that's the next level for me is to because I just right. did them as a on the ground like a regular push up. So would I guess the other the other kind of level up that you might consider is oh, different um, tapping oh. tapping your shoulder. <gasps> like well, I've done that when I I've been doing push ups before. Sure. <laughs> like alternate shoulders. So first you tap your. Uh, like your left shoulder with your right hand and then do a push up and then at the top your mm-hmm. your right shoulder with your left yep. hand. Okay. I'm in. All right. Cool. cool. So then getting into our exciting November challenge by the time you all hear this it'll be November yes. already. 
Um, as we mentioned, we're going to be logging miles via Charity Miles. Um, and I will post on the Facebook and the usual places the link to the app and also to our team, uh, which is called I Did a Thing. Um, you, you can find it under teams in the, in the app. Um, the charity that we've chosen, um, to raise money for is Girl Up. It's a charity organized by the United Nations, um, that provides funding and support for, um, young girls over, all over the world to go to school. Um, and I think as two educated ladies, we are definitely in support of more Uh girls getting as much education as they can. Amen. Um, and then, and then the second part of the challenge is also, um, for everyone to plan to either do, uh, an official turkey trot race at some point during the Mm -hmm. weekend of Thanksgiving or, um, if there isn't a race available in your area, uh, to just get out um, sometime uh, Thanksgiving weekend and uh, do a run or a walk. Yes. And that's what I'm going to have to do because all of the turkey trots that are in my area are on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I will be traveling uh, to visit my family. So no running, just a lot of, lot of driving. Well, maybe, but... maybe you can get... Get out with your dad. He's a runner, right? He is a runner. We'll see. That would be interesting. <laughs> He's much better runner than I am. Well, um, but I would, I will do something over the weekend for sure. And then I wanted to issue one more challenge since we're all oh about gosh, challenges so this ch- week. <laughs> next next Tuesday is election day, so yes, super important. Uh, it, there's not too many national elections going on uh, this year, but uh, there's. I know in Cincinnati there are city council races and a lot of important issues on the ballot. So my challenge to everyone is to walk, run, ride your bike, or take public transportation to your polling place. Um, you know, just any any method of getting there besides uh, driving. Um, yeah. I started the tradition a few years ago of every every uh, election day I walk to my polling place, um, and it's a nice opportunity to also just take a walk through your neighborhood on on the way to vote. I love that. Yeah, there's a mayoral race in my in my city, and holy cow, it's there's a lot of candidates, and I'm real tired of hearing about <laughs> it. So I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this election to be over. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's a lot of challenges, but I think we are up to the I, task. I think we can do this. Go vote. Get out the vote. Yeah. All right. Well, should we wrap it up yeah. with the thing I love? Yes. The thing I love. I love fruits. It's my sweet pleasure. I love So one of the things that I love is is weird thing, like weirdness, whatever you just define as being weird. Um, one of the things that uh, when I was in New York City, I was at a um, street mm-hmm. fair or a street like 
they were selling a bunch of stuff and there was food and there wasn't like activities or anything. But one of the things that I saw was this artist and his website is Real Weird Art. So Real Weird Art. And um, they're just these little drawings that are done probably on his computer and they're very weird <laughs> art but it, they're just cute and fun and I really like them and uh, my favorite one is I'm pulling it up um, is this uh, not lizard what are they called chameleon What what's the th- gecko they lose their tail mm-hmm. if they get scared mm-hmm. and it's it's a gecko on a on a uh, scale it says beer bellied lizard back to high school weight after losing tail. And it's he's standing on this weight on a scale with his arms raised in victory and his tail is on the ground. And it's all of his stuff is like this and I just really enjoy cool. it. And I'll have to check that out. It brings me joy for just because they're so weird. Well, it's funny because we didn't, we don't ever discuss this before we record, but mine is kind of on a, a little bit of a similar note. Ah. Um, one of the things that I love um, is this artist that I follow on Instagram, um, but she posts these really soothing videos of mixing paint. <laughs> So it started out. Are you ASMRing? It, it's there's no sound. Um, so it's but yeah, it does have a similar effect. Um, I think to what some people feel with the ASMR sounds. Um, her name is Annette Lebesky. I might be pronouncing that wrong. I'm sorry if I am. Um, it's. Will you spell it? The first oh, her yeah. first name is Annette A N N E T T E, and her last name is Lebesky. Uh, L-A-B-E-D-Z-K-I. If you start typing in Annette L into Instagram, it brings yeah. it right up. Yeah, at least she's super, she's pretty, she's got over 800,000 followers. <laughs> uh, but she started out right. just posting pictures um, of her because she is a painter. Uh, it started with just videos of her make to do her work. Um, but as she's gotten more popular, um, she's branched out onto all these uh, ways of making the mixing of paint more artistic. Um, So she makes molds and then uh, freezes paint, um, like oil-based paint, into different shapes. And then um, she'll um, kind of break them up and mix them into a a new color. Um, So... (laughs) It's, it's just, like I said, it's super soothing. Like I can, especially if, if I've had a stressful day, um, I can get on Instagram and watch a couple of videos before bed and it's just relaxing and nice. Um, and also she's a really, she's a really interesting artist too. So check it out. (laughs) I know it's like, it's hypnotizing. It's like those tasty videos that pop up on my mm-hmm. Facebook feed. He, she's making an Oreo mold in the in yeah. the most recent one. And I love Oreos. Uh, speaking of Oreos, <laughs> sorry. Uh, those mystery Oreos, no. have you had one yet? I can't buy Oreos. I, I have a problem. <laughs> I can't. Exactly. I've heard that they're um, kind of in the same vein as the mm. lemon flavor so they're kind of that same 
vibe and those lemon oreos are my yeah that the last time i did i did break down and buy some oreos i it was the lemon ones and just to be clear, I, I don't buy Oreos no. because if I open the package, I eat the whole package in one sitting, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing against the Oreo company. It's just their product is too good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Same. So, Same problem. So the filling is lemony, but it's a chocolate cookie. Is that what's up? I, I don't... I haven't opened... I can't do it. So I'm in the same boat <laughs> as you. So... Um, that's what I've heard, and and I don't want to find out without going somewhere and having somebody right. else have control <laughs> over eat. how many I can have. Um, there are certain red light foods in my house, Oreos yes. being one of them. You know, they just can't have them. Um, but I'm very interested to find out what the what the results of the like who wins and and what that flavor was. Well. Yeah, it'll be fun. Maybe, maybe I'll yeah. treat myself and get some. <laughs> Don't do it. Like go to a. You know, party I, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Maybe I'll, I'll as a kind of post Halloween treat, I'll get a package and take them to work this week. That seems smarter. Work is always a good spot because they like people descend like vultures <laughs> on food at work. All right. Love and love, love and paint, love and art, love and Oreos a little too Making much. Our minds better. <laughs> yep. I didn't even eat any and I know how much I love them. Cool. What a fun time we've had yep. together today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anything else for us, Sarah? Uh nope, just a reminder again that um that uh Jacob's blog is up on the website if you want to check that out. Yeah. And Sounds we dope. should be having him on as a guest in a in a couple weeks to to talk about how the process is going. I'm so excited to hear from him. Well, you can find that blog as well as everything else at IDidAThingPod.com. You can follow us on Facebook at IDidAThingPodcast. And we are on Twitter and Instagram at IDidAThingPod. If you have any questions or comments, want to say hi, please email us at IDidAThingPod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to our podcast, I Did a Thing. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. program. Thing about catcher, pod catcher, whatever that, those things are called. Podcast. However, you do the thing, go do the thing, and go do, go do a, a thing. thing. Go do a thing. Woohoo! Yay! Woo. Right on.